one of the things that's often occurred to me is as we come towards Christmas, life can be a rush. Has anybody felt that recently? <laughs> oh boy, can it ever be a rush. And it's quite interesting to me that it's actually possible to miss Christmas. Actually miss it. And why do we miss it? Because we've been running too hard often. And we can very easily miss. It's the most advertised and commercialized and anticipated holiday in the whole year. At no other time during the year does everybody stop, take time off work, almost synchronously, apart from people in hospitals and running first responder services, and take time off to enjoy this time of year. So you would think it would be pretty ridiculous to entitle a message, How to Miss Christmas. But that's what I really mean. Because even though we've had for the last month decorations and trees and hard to find car parks, music in stores, cards in the mail. I actually sent some Christmas cards off the other day. Shows on TV, carolers, pageantries and Christmas parties up the wazoo. Most of all, although I don't watch it, we've been bombarded by Christmas ads on TV to add nauseam. But my thought to you this morning, is it still possible to really miss the real meaning of Christmas? I am absolutely convinced the answer is yes. For exactly the same reasons why many people miss Christmas the first time it ever came. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to look at the people who were involved in the very first Christmas, who were right there when the, when the angels came and the star was there and why they missed that. And I'm going to look at us today and see if the very same reasons that some of them missed it then, we can miss here today. The first one, why so many people miss Christmas, is number one, the number one reason is busyness. This was like the innkeeper. That was his mistake at Christmas. The innkeeper. You know the story. In the last week of her pregnancy, the last week, I thought about Kate Tan yesterday when I saw her with her baba in her. Mary and Joseph travel to their hometown of Bethlehem. And the reason for that is a guy called Quirinius. Is the next slide, is it on that one? Maybe not. No, that's all right. Sorry, as you were. He had called a census. And why was that? It was to gather more taxes. That was the reason why. To make sure they knew exactly who was in each household. And Joseph checks in at the local Holiday Inn. But he discovers there's no reservation there for him. No vacancy. Every room is filled up, taken up, chock-a-block. And I don't know whether you've ever done that, but Kimberly and I and the kids, we took a trip um, to Vegas. Um, Actually, in the States, we call it, it's not Las Vegas, it's Lost Wages. That's what we call it. Um, and we took the kids there on our way through to Bryce and Zion Canyon. And when we got there, there was no room at the end because there was a consumer electronics show on. And that's like the world's largest computer show and everybody who had anything was there. So we, lived, uh, we stayed out at Silverton. But I know the feeling to get to a town expecting to book in where you always book in. Not that we're a regular visitor to Vegas. Or was going through to Bryce Canyon to ski or something like that. Uh, we got there and there was no room. Same for Mary and Joseph, no room. And there's a lot of out-of-towners were needing shelter. 
This guy, the innkeeper, had no place for the, even a baby. But at the same time, he had no idea who he was snubbing. Business was unbelievably booming for this guy. But the point is, he was so busy, he had no idea who he was snubbing. To imagine the lost opportunity here. Imagine the lost PR. This could be part of history. You know, son of God born here. You would never ever have a vacancy for the rest of your entire time at that job and that business. Great PR value. My question to you is at Christmas, are you too busy? With your business, whatever that business may be, to make room for Jesus. That's the big point. No room in your schedule. No room in your plans, because all your plans are doing your agenda. No room in your budget or your thoughts this Christmas. The Bible says in Psalm 10, verse 4, Wicked people are too proud to seek God. They don't look for him, and there is no room for God in their thoughts. You could be so busy at Christmas time, you miss meeting God with all the frenetic activity. The second reason people can miss Christmas is familiarity. This is a big one. You've heard it all before. I grew up in the church. I've been a Christian a long time. You've celebrated Christmas your entire life. You know the stories. You know the traditions. You even know the carols almost without words. And it's very easy to get jaded and lack enthusiasm for the greatest wonder of all. Christ coming for you. You're in debt. You had a huge debt which could not be paid. Christ's blood was going to be offered, but before it would be offered, he had to be born. And when it was offered, in exchange that deal, debt, here's the payment, the blood, the deal is forgiveness. No blood, no forgiveness. You can become so familiar with something, it doesn't amaze you anymore. This is the problem of familiarity. You miss the beauty of it. You take it for granted. You and I can do that in many areas of life. With the gift of our spouse. With the gift of our children. So much focus on the activity, we forget the relationship. You see it, something that's so familiar, but you don't do anything about it. And this, by the way, was a mistake of the religious leaders. The first was a mistake of the innkeeper. This mistake was a familiarity of the religious leaders. Oh, we know all about this. We know what's going to happen. But they didn't do anything about it. Here's a picture. The wise men who were not even from their country arrive in town from the far east. And they ask a king. Now, that tells you something. You don't just roll up to the king. These guys must have been well resourced and well known to even get an audience with the king. So these were the dignitaries, the high flyers. And the reason why we know that is he asked for a meeting and they got a meeting with the king. 
For you to get a meeting with the president or the prime minister, you need to have a certain status. And they arrive in and they go, hey, where's this baby? We know he's born somewhere around here. He has no idea how he gets born. I know. So he gathers the religious scholars. Now the religious scholars knew they were familiar. Let's pick it up, Matthew 2. King Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and the teachers of the law. And he asked them, he says, hey, you guys, I know what's going on. You guys get your blessed assurances here. And I need to know where the Christ will be born. Tell me. Now, there's a reason why he's asking, of course. And they answered. See, they knew. They were familiar. They answered. We're in the town of Bethlehem in Judea. The prophet Micah wrote about this in the scriptures. So they had the exact right information. See, notice that many of those religious people were familiar with the prophecies about the Savior. They even knew where to find them. They knew exactly where, and they told them exactly where he would be born. And they could probably even quote those scriptures and recite them from memory. But, two things. They were unimpressed and they were unconcerned. The religious leaders. We've seen it all before. We've read that before. It's become familiar, too familiar. And they started to take it for granted. Now it's astounding to me that foreign dignitaries show up in town. There's a very unusual astrological phenomenon in the sky. Very unusual. And then the king calls for an emergency meeting. And yet these religious leaders were so familiar they didn't even care to spend the effort and energy to check out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe we need to take another look at this. They had the right answer, but they did nothing with it. They wouldn't even bother to go five, what's that? Yeah, five kilometers down the road. Actually, eight kilometers down there to Jerusalem from Bethlehem. Eight kilometers, five miles. They wouldn't bother to take that short trip down there to check it out themselves. See, why? Because they're jaded and they're lacking curiosity. That's one of the ways you can tell whether you're jaded or not. Do you still have curiosity it's their lack of curiosity to me is stunning so the background is for centuries israel was waiting for the savior promised by god they've been waiting for thousands of years it was debated it was discussed and it was studied but there was no room in their theology for god to actually show up it's here today and there are all kinds of traditions of being tacked on. Over time, people pay more and more and more attention to the traditions of God rather than God himself. Sound familiar? Today, intelligent people will participate in all sorts of Christmas traditions, putting up Christmas trees, even singing Christmas carols, yet show no concern for checking it all out. Hmm. See, Jesus came at Christmas, and you can put up Christmas lights and still be in the dark. 
But in their minds, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, their minds are in the dark. They stubbornly, and they are stubborn, and so they've missed out on the life that comes from God. Their minds are in the dark. So there's a third reason people miss Christmas. Just like the innkeeper who is too busy running around like a maniac. And by the way, it was boom time for his business. Boom time. Then the religious leaders, they were too familiar. And the third reason people miss Christmas is an unusual one, but still relevant for some people. Fear. Fear. Sad fact that some people are afraid of Christmas. In fact, that's why they oppose it, they fight against it, and they get all mad. In fact, I was just reading in the States the other day, a council is in a bun fight, and I mean, it's actually, it's not a bun fight, this is actually the chuck and serious stuff at each other, to remove the nativity scene from a public space because it offends somebody. And this, by the way, Back in the, old, uh, in, in, the, in the New Testament in the early days here when Jesus was born, was King Herod's problem. King Herod had a problem with fear. He was afraid of Christmas. And the background was Herod was appointed king of the Jews. And he actually, yeah, he was appointed, but he was a paranoid man. He feared everybody was after his throne. He was very insecure. He was so ruthless, he killed anybody that he suspected of coming after his position. Here's what he actually did. You can read this. And I don't recommend Wikipedia for many things because it's often completely wrong and biased. And I'm just telling you that. But in this one, it's right. He killed his wife. He had killed his own wife because he thought she was after the throne. Not only did he kill his own wife, Unbelievably, he killed his own mother. Can you believe that? This is the sort of maniac this guy was. He killed his brother-in-law and he killed his two sons because he was threatened. You check it out. Historical fact. So get your head around this maniac. Megalomaniac. Five days before his death when he was sick, he killed all the rest of his sons. This is the guy that was around in Jesus' day. Remember this. And many prominent people in Jerusalem, he killed the rest of his sons and a whole bunch of Jews so they'd weep when he died. So the wise men show up in Bethlehem asking this megalomaniac, where is the king of the Jews to be? And he goes, the What? The king of the Jews? Tell me where he is. You can almost hear him sharpening knives up. He wants to get this joker. He goes nuclear, ballistic. He becomes unhinged. Matthew 2, 3. When Herod heard the news, he was very disturbed and worried. Is that in the, yeah, the next screen? He was very disturbed and worried. And so was everybody else in Jerusalem. So Herod's fear finally led him, as we know, to massacre every baby boy in Bethlehem under two years old in an attempt to wipe out his competition. That's what he was doing here. So fear, though, keeps that same thing. Fear keeps a lot of people from getting to know God today. 
That was Herod's problem. What about us today? Herod's fear was, I'm not going to give up control. Herod's fear was, nobody else is going to get the right to call the shots but me. I want to be king. 1 Timothy 6.21 Some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. And today I think that many people are fearful about giving their lives to God because they don't want to give up control. They want to be God. They want to be king. So there's a fear that's present in some people's hearts. So, so we've looked at those things. So now what I want to look to is, so how do I not miss Christmas? That's how I can miss Christmas. How do I now not miss Christmas? Now, when I was a kid, I don't know why we had this ridiculous little nursery rhyme that used to go in my head. Stop, look, and listen. Before you cross the street, the street, the street, whatever it was. You know. I just remember this. Do anybody else heard that one? Stop, look, and listen. Before you cross the street. So I want to build on that right now. So how do I not miss Christmas? Here's how we do it. Practical. One, stop filling my life with less important things. Don't let busyness from keeping me from knowing God. Don't do that. Look at this verse. God's word says it beautifully. All man's busy rushing ends in nothing. He heaps up riches for someone else to spend. Do you know this? That most of what you work for, you're going to give to somebody else, and some of those people, you don't even know their names of yet. You are but a manager for a very few brief years on this earth. I own nothing. I just get to manage a few assets, and eventually I'll pass all those on to somebody else. I'm a manager. It's a very freeing way and a biblical way of seeing everything you have. You have it for a while. This verse, all man's busy, uh, busy rushing in and nothing, heaps up riches for someone else to spend, sounds to me like a lot like East Auckland. The pace of life, a, a too busy rat race. And what blows me away is just the busyness on the commutes into town. I go still, still into town and over the shore in different places every now and again, and I am shocked at just at this, this mass of cars. It seems to me to be worse than Los Angeles, but that's another thing. Anyway, would you agree that some people can be so busy making a living, they forget to make a life? Yes? I used to have a saying, and it said, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Because what happens is when you're super busy, you skim on everything else relationally. That's what happens. When you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. Busyness can fill your schedule. Oh yeah, I know that better than anybody. But it can also fracture your family if you're not careful. It will fracture your family if it continues and continues. And the greatest tragedy I find, apart from all that, is that people are too busy for God. There's always another priority. Always my plan trumps God's plan. Now, they never say that. But by the way they live, that's fact. That is reality. They don't prioritize God or his kingdom. So what is the antidote to this? Stop and slow down. Be still and know that I am God. And here's a problem. God, David said this many years ago. Be still. Many of us can't sit still for two seconds. 
We've got ants in our pants, as my mother used to say. When we hurried and worried, we can't stop filling our lives with less important things and we crowd God out. We just grab anything to try and fill our lives. Now it's interesting, of all the people that God could have chosen to announce the arrival of the Saviour, think about this, the arrival of the Saviour. This has been anticipated for thousands of years. He chooses who? Who did the good news first come to? This is not a trick question. You can speak now. The shepherds, right? The shepherds. He didn't go to the prime minister or the kings first or the dignitaries first. He goes to the shepherds first to announce the arrival of the saviour. Now, friends, shepherds were considered lower than the lowest labourers in that context. The very lowest. Almost one rung above, you do the history reading, one rung above criminals. You do the history reading. So that's where they were on the totem pole, so to speak. Although I don't like totem poles, you know what I'm saying? Way down there. And the social standing is probably in a more appropriate way to say that. So God sends his word of his son's verse first to the people most likely to welcome the good news of the Messiah. People who wanted the Savior. And one of the possible reasons I was musing on this this week, why he went to them first, apart from being the lowest of the low, they had the time. They weren't too busy buzzing around. They had the time to go to Bethlehem to check it out. They're not like, sorry, we can't go right now, angels. We've got three other Christmas parties to attend. And by the way, family's coming into town. They didn't do that. They weren't busy. Now, here's my point to you. If I don't have time to get to know God and to spend time with him, I am too busy. As the scriptures say before, chasing ridiculous things, less important things. Now, here, on the other hand, well, you say, but how do we get more time? I'm always stuck for time. I'm in a jam. The Bible tells us here in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, how to get more time. Some of you may not want to hear this, but this is the truth. This is the source of the truth claim. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. So whatever you need more of, you put God first in that area. If you need more time, give God more time in the morning before you get on the rat race. That's what the scripture says. Try it and test it to see if it's true. I challenge you. Some of you go, I haven't got time for spending time with God in the morning. I haven't got time for devotions because I've got to do this, this. Oh, I've got to check my Facebook. Let's just forget that for a moment. We even get to work. Reverence for God at hours to each day. So if you need more time, give time back to God. You need to make time and room in your schedule for a quiet time. Now the fact is, the innkeeper, here's think about the innkeeper. The innkeeper would have to displace something or someone else in order to make room for Jesus. Right? He'd have to displace something. And the same is true for you. The fact is, whenever Jesus comes into your life, something else will go. You're saying yes to Jesus, you're saying no to some other things. That's just the way it works. Now, look closely at why Jesus came. Stop, look. 
Look, stop, look, look closely at why Jesus came. Make the effort to check it out. Investigate Jesus. You already know that he came and you're celebrating Christmas, right? That's why you're celebrating Christmas, because he came. But do you know why he came? If somebody to ask you, can you give me three or four reasons why Jesus came? Could you give a reasonable account to your friend? Why did Jesus came? You know, some of those statements, Jesus said, for this purpose I came, fill in the blanks. There's at least seven of them. Do you know at least three? So then you can tell people why he came, not that just Jesus came. Well, of course, billions of people are celebrating Jesus came. But the real question is not that, but why? Could you answer that? And this is what Herod told the wise men to do. Look at this in Matthew 2. He says, go and make a careful search for the child. And because they made the effort to check Jesus out, now we don't know what it was really that caught their attention in the sky. Others must have seen that, but they did nothing. While others were much closer geographically, they missed Christmas because they didn't take any effort at all. They're kind of like armchair spectators. They didn't stop and then look. Don't be one of those people this Christmas who celebrate all of the traditions of Christmas, even make a Christmas cake even, or whatever, and that have no curiosity as to why we make such a big deal about Jesus' birth. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, God says, you will seek me and find me when, here it is, you seek me with all of your heart. God's saying, be a seeker. Really, check me out. Check me out. And if you, you might start by reading through the New Testament of the Bible and ask God to show you who Jesus really was. And if you need a Bible, we'll give you one. Just let me know on your communication card. And friends, by the way, before you take that step, don't think that you have to have every doubt and question answered. It's okay to have doubts, is what I'm saying, as long as it motivates you to check out what is the truth. And if you're interested in that, early in the new year, I'm going to start an investigation group. And I'm going to study one thing and one thing only. Who was Jesus Christ? If you'd like to join that, let me know about it in the communication card. But there are three qualifications for that group, if you would like to join. One, you cannot be a believer yet. So you're, just in, you're a seeker, you're studying Two, you must have some serious doubts or reservations that you want answered. And three, you must come being prepared to be intellectually honest and have an open mind. And if you're interested in that, just write in the communication card, Ian's group. And I'll contact you with the New Year's dates. But it's not just enough to stop. It's not just enough to look and seek, you know, in that area. You have to listen as well. Listen to the good news of Christmas. Don't be afraid of it. Luke 2. The angel of the Lord said, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. Why, Saviour has been born for you. By the way, nobody is afraid of a baby. And by the way, he is Christ the Lord. That's good news. 
That is the good news. Why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus said, I have come, this is one of the reasons, that you may have life and you may have it to the fullest. That is what Jesus came to do at Christmas, to give you life to the fullest. Most people, friends, are just existing on that rat race. Just time after time after, and this is what happens. Doesn't matter who you are and how hard you work, after a while it can all start to lose its meaning. But he said, that's existing. I've come to give you life. Now, you lose your fear, which is what we're talking about here, when you truly understand what Jesus came to do. John 3.17 For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. That was not his purpose, to condemn it. But, this is his purpose, to save the world through him. So he didn't come to scare us with condemnation, but to save us through love. Now, I don't know what you've been through or are going through this year. Maybe you've had a tough year, a really tough year. Maybe you've had a sad year. But no matter what you're going through, my advice to you is to turn to God, not away from God. Because here's the deal. You don't get any comfort running away from God. You rely on your own resources. Well, if that's what you want to do, I hope it works out for you. I have a sneaking suspicion it won't. You just get more fear and more anxiety and more misery and more pain if you turn away from God. But when you run to God, you get comfort and counsel and community. So let me ask you, which of these things could cause you to miss Christmas this year as I wrap this up? Is it the busyness? You're just running around frenetically. You've almost got a headache. I've got so many things to concentrate on and I'm so busy with my schedule. Or for you, is it the, the issue of familiarity, indifference? I'm so familiar with this, I'm not even going to have a fresh look at that. Heard it all my life. I'm not even going to question whether it's true or not. You know, I'll put up the tree and stick the gifts around there and do all the traditions, and it's still possible to miss, very possible to miss the real meaning, like so many others missed the meaning so many years ago. And then third and lastly, what about fear? Are you like Herod, afraid to give up control? This stage, it could be your life. I don't want anybody else to be king in my life. I want to be king. I want to be God's small g. Now, by the way, you'll never be God. You are called to be godly. So for a new life at Christmas, the Bible says, first stop. I'm just going to wang through these verses now. The Bible says, Christ carried the burden of our sins on the cross so that we would stop, there's that word, stop living for sin. And ourselves, by the way, you might want to put in bracket. And start living for what is right, his way, his purpose. That's why he died. His wounds heal us. I stop the old way and I begin a new way. Then I look. Then the Bible says here in Isaiah 45, let all the world look for, to me for salvation. For I am God and there is no other. And by the way, there is no other name by which you must be saved. Stop looking then listen. Listen, the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians. Listen to what God says. This is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. Not tomorrow, not 10 years from now, not when I get my act perfect or even half together. Because you and I are not even guaranteed next week, let alone 10 years. 
So my suggestion to you is whatever you're going to do, you should do it now. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, and neither am I. Today, the Bible says in that verse, is a day for salvation. Today is a day to trust him with your life. So I'm going to close with two questions. And that's it. Number one, have you received God's Christmas gift to you this Christmas, which is Jesus Christ? Now you can either answer that two ways, yes or no. It is a binary option. The second question I want to ask you in closing is what will you give Jesus Christ this day for his birthday? See, the whole reason we give gifts at Christmas is because the wise men brought gifts to the baby Jesus. And so today, we just give gifts to each other, right? But can you imagine ever going to a birthday party when everybody else was exchanging gifts, but the birthday boy didn't get anything? What are you going to give Jesus today for his birthday? Which is coming up. I'm making him a birthday cake. I've done that for the last four, three, four years. I make him a birthday cake so we don't forget him. I'll tell you what you can give him because I don't know about you. My kids say to me, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? And you know what I normally say? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> right? What do you get for Jesus who's got everything? You can give him three things that he doesn't have unless you give them to him. And there's your life, your trust, and your love. Would you be willing to give those to him? Okay, let's pray. As we close, I'm going to pray a Christmas prayer, and I would invite you to pray that prayer with me. What really matters is the attitude of your heart. And really, there's only one attitude that you must have to be saved. And that attitude is humility. Is to say, God, I believe that you are God and I am not. And I need a Savior. I cannot save myself. I realize I can't get into heaven on my own merits. And I can't forgive my own sins. So I need a Savior. I need a Savior so that my past can be forgiven. I can have a purposeful living and I'm not seduced by these crazy agendas that the world offers. And Father, I'm looking forward to my home in heaven. Would you pray this prayer just in your mind? Say, dear God, I do not understand it all, but I want to be totally honest with you right now. I have allowed busyness to keep me from knowing you fully. I've allowed even being familiar with things to keep me from knowing you. And to some extent I've even allowed fear to keep me from knowing you. But I thank you that you love me in spite of all my faults and failures. So this Christmas, as much as I know how, Jesus, I open my life to you. I don't understand it all, but I do need a saviour. I realise that if I didn't need one, you would never have come at Christmas. And you said 
A saviour's been born for me. For me. So I accept Jesus Christ as my saviour. I want to learn to love him and trust him the rest of my life. And I humbly make this request. In your name I pray. Amen.